Cap League. Hello and welcome back to Cap League. I'm your host, Max Patillo. Welcome back, everybody. We got another episode, another covering the off season of 2021. And it's Tuesday night. And we got a couple days until the season kicks off. Thursday night football, as it always does. It's a beautiful feeling. I'm so fired up for football. I need it. I'm craving it. And I couldn't be more excited. So really excited to do this last episode heading into the season, covering what we feel like is the most important things from this offseason <clears throat> so we can be all prepared uh, to start it. So, uh, I got, you might notice, hope it didn't confuse all of you, all the listeners, uh, new art for the cover of the podcast, along with the change of the name of the podcast, formerly Maximum Sports, now Cap League, and now we have our art for the cover of Cap League. It's, it's the new brand. It's the new look. And I hope you guys find it okay and, and see it pop up on your subscribe feed or whatever you're listening from. Um, a friend of mine, Ariella Ariano, uh, developed it for me. She's a graphic designer. Uh, she does really great work. And you can find her at uh, her Patreon page, which is Ariella Gam, which is A R I E. L A G A M on Patreon. So go check her out. She does amazing work and she did the art uh, for my podcast. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, she's a close friend of mine and I really appreciate it. So go check her work out. Um, but we're really excited to, to kick this episode off heading into this season. I promise after this, our shows are going to be much more regular. Um, I wanted to do a few more episodes this off season, but hey, life happens. This that's why they call it the off season. We're off, you know. So we're we're gonna get it rolling now because we're heading into the real deal. No more preseason, although preseason was fun. It's like that little appetizer before the main course. But now we get the main course. It's gonna be brought out in full force on Thursday. Bucks, Cowboys. It's gonna be fun, and we'll get into all that and. Let's get right to it. So to, to continue what we talked about as some of the most impactful things that happened this offseason, one of the biggest ones was Russell Wilson. He came out, he's talking to the media, and he sort of mirrored Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden in sort of the complaining complaining about the team, kind of hinting at front office moves, hinting at wanting more say. I would say he wasn't as outspoken as Aaron Rodgers, and it was more of a passive-aggressive way of saying, hey, I want some more input on the offense. I want some more input on player personnel decisions. And it was a big thing that stood out, and I'm a big Seahawks fan, Huge Russell Wilson fan. You guys all know that. But that's what made it a little disappointing for me because 
he's always been the opposite of that Aaron Rodgers, uh, that type of quarterback who complains or points the fingers. He's always taken ownership, which we know we're big on. But this offseason, for whatever reason, he met a boiling point. Some people talk about he was watching Tom Brady win the Super Bowl again and watching Mahomes under duress. Just seeing how Mahomes was under pressure with his offensive line and how Russell, he kind of called out his own offensive line this season. And he wants improvements, and he let that boil over to the public. And that's the biggest problem. Behind the scenes, keep it behind closed doors. You can be as disgruntled as you want, really. But once you go public with the media and you're telling everyone about that, it just seems like sort of a backstab. It seems like, why are you telling all outside the house? Keep it in-house. And it was just disappointing to see Russell out of character. And I think one of the cool things was that later on he realized this and he uh, apologized. He knew he made a mistake. He knows that's not what he's about. He knows the fans don't appreciate that. His front office doesn't appreciate that. None of these players are going to have better decisions on player personnel than the front office guys. It's just, that's not how it works. Um, these guys spend their whole lives looking at players and going to their high schools, colleges. They travel all around these scouts. That's what they do for their living. Russell is on the field for his living. That's what he does. That These scouts, that's what they do. And I'm not saying all the Seahawks scouts or all the Packers scouts or all these guys are perfect, but you got to know where to, you can make suggestions. That's fine. Do it behind closed doors. Have your say, do it the right way, but you go public and you embarrass a lot of guys. You embarrass a lot of your linemen, which is probably a bad idea. Um, coaching staff, uh, you, you just, you lose a little trust there and that, and trust is, Hey, it's important. So, it was a little disappointing, you know, Russell, he's always, the pressure's always been on him uh, on the field with combination of poor pass blocking, poor field vision and awareness. Honestly, it, he, he's a shorter guy, so it it's harder for him to see over those lines. You can see how the pocket collapses on him so much quicker because of his size, he can't see over it. So he needs to have that escapability. And he's been he's been great at doing it. But he's not a typical pocket type guy. His line in, within that tackle box has created pockets for him. And for a bigger quarterback, he could stand in there, even if it's just a couple seconds longer, and deliver a quick slant or, or dump it off to a, a running back. He's shorter, so he's got to escape that tackle box. And once you do that, Dwayne Brown, great left tackle. He, no one, it doesn't matter if you have Walter Jones over there, um, any of the great left tackles ever. They're not going to be able to contain that tackle box when the quarterback escapes to the outside of it. You just can't do it. And so 
a lot of Russell's pressures, a lot of his sacks. I mean, if you go back and look at the tape, a lot of them are on him. They're on his style of play. It's just how it's going to be. He's always going to be sacked a lot because of the way he plays. He's not a guy who sits in that pocket. And, you know, he's been portrayed as the victim of very poor blocking. But like I said, if you watch that tape closely, you're going to see a shorter quarterback who's, you know, he's quickly swallowed up and he can't see the field unless he escapes. And and sometimes you're going to get sacked doing that. So, you know, if, if a quarterback leaves the tackle box, you're he's on his own. And Russell does that better than anyone, but it also can get him into trouble, especially against, you know, great pass rushes like he sees in his own division. And this is, we talk about the gates of ridicule and how, especially if you're a quarterback, you don't want to open those gates. And the way you open those gates is by openly criticizing to the media, you open the gates. And now the media uh, is going to be open to, and the fans uh, ridiculing you for, we're, it's going to be more highly scrutinized now when he goes out there. Whereas he might have the benefit of the doubt because people would automatically assume that the pressures were because of our poor offensive line play. But now, since you've opened those gates with the complaining, it's going to be more scrutinized and people are actually going to see that, okay, wait, that wasn't poor pass blocking. That was just Russell's poor field awareness or misjudgment of the pocket or escaping too soon, spinning out, turning your back to the defense, all these things. They're going to be much more highly scrutinized now. And that that's what the gates of ridicule are. And can you handle, you put all that extra pressure on yourself now to outdo that performance. Every interception is going to be scrutinized now. Every sack, is it his fault or was it the line's fault? And we're going to start to see that a lot of these mistakes, and no quarterback's perfect, they all go through it, but now... That there is a microscope and it's going to be, well, we got to figure out whose fault it really was. And we're going to see that it was actually the quarterbacks a lot more than, than what we used to uh, put blame on him. That's the gates of ridicule. That's why you don't want to open those gates, keep them closed, keep things in house. Don't be so disgruntled, get better as a player yourself, control what you can control and just, you can give your your player personnel suggestions like, hey, we, we need to upgrade center, left guard, uh, wide receiver, whatever you need to do, what you think they should get better. But, you know, all these moves the Seahawks made this offseason, you know, there's a lot of talk show hosts out there that, that say that all oh, the Seahawks, they, they listen to Russell's suggestions. Look at the moves they made. You, they got... Um, a good offensive lineman. They got, um, they re-signed some guys that, you know, Russell wanted, but the, the thing is John Schneider in that front office, they would have done those moves regardless. It wasn't anything to do with appeasing Russell. They didn't make any extra moves. They wouldn't have made anyway. They went and got Gerald Everett, Gabe Jackson, 
solid players, but they would have made those moves anyway. It wasn't anything crazy. They weren't trying to appease Russell. They would have done them anyway. You didn't really need to go above and uh, be outspoken to the media like that. So that was a big one because, you know, if Russell hadn't apologized, it would have been in the kind of the same class as Aaron Rodgers, but Russell's smart enough to know he he made a mistake speaking out like that. And it seems like everything's good with the Seahawks now, but it, it will be closely monitored uh, going forward. Okay, on to next most important offseason uh, structural thing that's going on here. Uh, biggest impact, you know, that's what we're going for. And it's got to be the Niners, 49ers, their big time team. They basically, they made half the right call at quarterback. And it's another case, just like Green Bay, they're going halfway on the quarterback. They They don't have the guts to really commit and really put your team in a great position. They are, they're scared. They're startled. I think the pressure's on the Shanahan Lynch combination to, uh, frankly, win. Um, they've had one good season, and the rest have been terrible. And they had that six-year contract. That's a long time, but hey, time's running out, and there's got to see some results. And what happened is they've succumbed to this pressure of gosh, is it Jimmy G or is it the new young guy? Um, and they're, they're kind of head, they're trying to hedge and it's the mistake. It's the mistake that most of these teams make because of that fear, fear to get fired, the fear to lose. And they made half the right call at QB. I told them, I mean, they traded up, they went big. It's what that was great. That's what you're supposed to do. Trade up. They got Trey Lance. He was the right pick. I mean, he could be the gem of the draft. Great player. Very athletic. Exactly what you want. You don't have to be perfect at quarterback. He's cheap. He's fast. He can throw. He can learn. He can do it all. Great pick. There were rumors that they were going to pick Mac Jones at number three. I was just, I thought that was hilarious if they would have done that. But thankfully for them, that was smoke and they got Trey Lance. It was the right call. He might even be better than Trevor Lawrence. We'll see. It's he's definitely better than Zach Wilson. I can tell you that right now. And the Niners are struggling because they should start him from day one, but they kept Jimmy G. Now they kept Jimmy G. Why? Well, because they were scared. This is another example team going halfway because they're scared. Green Bay is another one. They should have traded Aaron Rodgers. They could have traded Garoppolo. Well, he still has some value left before the draft. Trade him. You know what you're going to do? Trade him. You would have got draft capital. You would have unloaded his ridiculous contract, his expensive contract that we said from day one. You can go back and listen to the episodes. When they signed Jimmy G, we laughed. We knew it wasn't going to work. It was a terrible contract expensive he's not worth that but he's still got some value you could at least got a second round pick for him and you would have unloaded that money do it before the draft you could have used that you needed to use that draft pick um 
and your then your QB situation would have been clear. Now it's a, they don't know who they're starting. Um, they might know deep down, but Jimmy G's still on the roster. You've got a lot of that locker room is still loyal to Jimmy G. So you're going to divide your locker room, probably. You're going to have this QB battle. There's a saying, if you have more than one QB, you don't have any QBs. And that's because it's such an important position. Some guys are loyal to Jimmy G. Some guys want to see the young guy come in, the athletic guy, the guy who doesn't get hurt all the time. Jimmy G gets hurt all the time. And now he, he can barely even throw. He's got no confidence out there. Should have got rid of him. It's too late probably now. Everything... Everyone just thinks the Niners are just a Super Bowl contender. They think they're going to roll out the same team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. It's it's a it's kind of an illusion that, and I see it with a lot of these teams. They have this great year, and people just keep thinking that that's what's going to come out once they are healthy again or something. Like the Niners had this rash of injuries last year, and they did, but. The thing, those guys, they get hurt a lot. That's the problem with a lot of them. That when we've said it from day one, when you when you drafted Nick Bosa, we said no, that wasn't the pick. I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked him. There, he gets hurt a lot. Ask Ohio State if he can stay healthy. Go ask those fans over there. He's injury prone. His brother, Joey Bosa, he's injury prone too. I mean, it, it is a thing. It's genetic. Like those guys get hurt all the time. And that's not the pick I would have made. And I, I said it back in that draft. And sure enough, he's hurt. Uh, will he get hurt in the end? I mean, chances are probably, yeah, some of these guys, they just can't stay on the field. And availability is the most important ability. I mean, Solomon Thomas, is he, he got hurt last year. Is he injury prone? Well, he's gotten hurt every year. So I think so. Uh, how about Eric Armstead? Is he going to stay healthy? I don't know. I mean, he's starting He's starting to break down. Uh, Debo Samuel, guys hurt every other week. Jimmy G, no, he never, he can't stay healthy. He never played a full season. Um, and now, not only that, but you have no more DeForest Buckner, which we said was the worst move they made last season. You trade, that was your best defensive tackle. Your defensive line was not the same. Since DeForest Buckner left, he went to the Colts, and he's doing great over there. You got rid of the wrong guy. You kept Armstead, who got hurt, and you got rid of Buckner. We, I mean, you can just go back and listen. We said it, the opposite was the right move to make, and it proved out. Uh, and now you, you have no more Richard Sherman. And he, I mean, say what you want about Richard Sherman, but that guy – no, nope, people still avoided his side, even last year, um, until he got hurt. Um, but th- this is what I'm getting at is that they're not the same team at all other than that dominant t- defense that went to the Super Bowl. This is two years removed from that. They don't have the same defensive coordinator. Robert Sala's gone. The, the Niners, they're still going to be a good team, barring setbacks. They're going to be an offensively driven team. Their secondary is weak. Uh, Their linebackers are getting older, and we'll see about their consistency. But their their pass rush isn't going to be as good as it was. And these guys are injury prone that they're relying on. And now you've got this quarterback question 
where you haven't committed to the young guy, which you should have. And now you're teetering between Jimmy G and him and who's going to have confidence. I don't think it's going to be Jimmy G. And now your young guy doesn't because you picked Jimmy G over him, which I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance is twice the player Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is. So, all that being said, it's a it was a big thing, a big move. It's going to dictate all the Niners fans. This is going to dictate what happens going forward for a while. And Shanahan is so talented, calling plays on offense. Anyone he puts back there is is probably going to do well. But you've got a situation where you just you just went halfway. <clears throat> and if you would have traded Jimmy Garoppolo, you could have got another defensive lineman, maybe a good corner. And now you're still stuck with that guy. And he's probably going to play terribly to start the year. And he might lose draft or uh, yeah, draft capital from his trade value. And so just keep an eye on that. We'll see how they do to start things off. I thought they should have started Trey Lance. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will. And Jimmy G will be just be back to the bench. Um, but that means you're paying a, a backup quarterback 25 million all of a sudden. And so none of that is just cost effective. None of it's efficient. Save money. Trade the guy before everyone knows he's terrible. Uh, that's how you stay ahead. That's those are, the, those are the moves you make to stay efficient and to stay valuable. And so moving on, we'll see about the Niners. We'll, we'll see. But moving on, let's get to uh, the next most impactful move. And to me, it was, it's, it's Stafford, the Stafford trade. I mean, we said from day one with the Rams, when they drafted Goff, uh, that we knew he wasn't going to be great. We kind of laughed at it. He's not fast. He's not athletic. It's just like, what are you doing? And he had one good year and, and everyone thought we were wrong. And we just kept on. It's like that one good year where they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. It wasn't Goff that, that took him there. It was Todd Gurley. He was amazing. They paid him, which it was a mistake. Also, that was a self-destruct mode. Todd Gurley, I don't even, is he even in the league anymore? I don't know. It's It just goes on and on. And so the Rams... They make the they finally admitted they were wrong with Goff, and they trade him. And that's a lot of this stuff, man. It um, it's delayed gratification when judging player personnel decisions. Like we've talked about that before. Sometimes it takes three or four years, like Goff. Sometimes it takes six plus years with Dak till we we finally get a resolution. Whether the guy gets traded or he gets benched, or people finally realize that ultimately we were right about a guy or wrong about a guy. You know, if Dak goes out and wins the Super Bowl this year, he's worth every penny of that $40 million. Um, But I really doubt that's going to happen. So we're going to have to wait until 
you know what hits the fan and everything will crumble and we'll have to uh, learn from whatever judgments we made either way. So that's kind of how it goes. Delayed gratification. It takes a while when judging these players. Um, You know, last year, the Rams, they had the best defense in the league. There's really no question about it. And, you know, for years they've been held back by Goff, really. I mean, um, he couldn't do anything in that Super Bowl. They only put up three points. It was embarrassing. And he he's just been terrible uh, ever since, really. Uh, just lost his confidence. Sean McVay seems like a good play caller, but he, he you could just see he was limited because of Goff. And on the surface, Stafford, he looks like an upgrade. Uh, so the Rams, honestly, the Rams should be one of the top Super Bowl contenders this year going into the season. I mean, that's what that move on paper brings them. The question is Stafford. That's the question. You know, he's been in the league for a long time and he's never really won much. Now, everyone's going to say, you know, the real question was, is it mostly Detroit's dysfunction or was it Stafford's dysfunction? And that's what we don't know the answer to that question. A lot of people might be Stafford believers. They might say, I mean, you might be in the camp of, well, look how talented he is. He's got a one of the best arms in the league. There's no question about it. But man, he's been in the league, what, I think around 10 years at least. Uh, maybe longer, maybe 12 years, and he just has never done anything. And I know he's been in Detroit. They've had Ndamukong Sue. They've had Calvin Johnson. They've had players here and there. I'm, I'm not saying they're not dysfunctional. They are. But for that long, and to be thought of as a really great quarterback, you haven't won. It just, maybe the dysfunction has been Stafford. I don't know. So we're going to see now with the Rams because now you pair him with one of the best defenses in the league, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You get Sean McVay's play calling, which we'll see. It's they they've never been the same offensively since Todd Gurley, you know, fell downhill after they paid him. <clears throat> so they're they need the running game, but that was with Goff. If Stafford can distribute the ball better than Goff. I mean, the sky's the limit for the Rams. They're going to be excellent and difficult to to defend. But if Stafford was maybe the downfall of Detroit all along, we're going to find that out too. So that's going to be really interesting. That's definitely one of the biggest, most impactful things of the offseason. The other guy that moved was Wentz, Carson Wentz. I mean, this is his time to prove something. I mean, what, what is it? He was in the same, he was the pick after Jared Goff way back. And we always talked about how, I mean, he probably should have been the number one pick talent wise. I would have picked him over Goff. Number one there. He started off his career. It looked like I was right, but then he started getting hurt. Then he started losing all his confidence. And we said on this show, that we would not have paid him that extension that Philadelphia did. And they paid him. He got big bucks, and he hasn't been worth a penny of that. And sure enough, delayed gratification. 
we were right. The Eagles uh, cut ties with him, got rid of him, and he's on the Colts now. And he's back with his old offensive coordinator. It seems like everything's in place for him to have a great season. They open against the Seahawks uh, this week, this Sunday, and we're going to see if Wentz can prove behind, I mean, probably one of the best, if not the best offensive line in the NFL, a great defense. The Colts are loaded. They got it all going. Question is quarterback, and the question is going to be Wentz. Can he prove that it was mostly Philadelphia's dysfunction, just like with Stafford and Detroit? Wentz can prove that it was actually Philadelphia's downfall that caused his downfall. And, you know, it can be a blend of both, but he can regroup, have his old offensive coordinator when he had an MVP season. He did win an MVP, and he was brilliant in the year they won the Super Bowl, but Nick Foles won that Super Bowl. And he, he won all the playoff games and the Super Bowl, beating Tom Brady. Wentz did not play a part in that. So this is his chance with a great team around him to prove that uh, something. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe he can prove that he's um, the guy, you know, um, who deserved that money and kind of resurrect his what what he's lost in his career. Watch that dwindle a little bit. So we'll see how that goes this season. That's going to be a huge, mo- mostly impactful things. And I mean, that's of all the things that's happened, you know, the Deshaun Watson stuff is honestly, it's not that impactful because um, he hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, and, whether Deshaun Watson could play or not, Houston was not going to be a factor regardless. That's why it's not impactful. Um, it's drama, all his off the field issues, and he was going to hold out already. So it looks like he's not going to play this year, but it's not one of my storylines because Houston Texans don't matter anyway. Um, so I'm sorry for those fans, but I I only needed two episodes to really cover everything that's happened these last basically five, six months. Um, for all those talk shows out there, they do it every day. They talk all day long. And it, most of it's just noise, you know? And these few things here, this is the summary of the off season. I hope you guys have enjoyed it, listening. And you, hey, maybe save some time. I know I, I like to listen to sports radio all the time, but you guys know you can just tune into this couple episodes, get you all up to date, and then we're going to go right into the season and, and cover all the things that matter. And so that pretty much covers everything that we need to really care about. You know, the Buccaneers, they're still loaded. They brought back everybody. It looks like the Kansas City Chiefs are loaded and ready to go. They fix their offensive line issues. The Seahawks upgraded slightly from a good team. Maybe they can be a great team. Green Bay is like probably going to be off to a hot start and then fall apart as the season goes on because their schedule is really easy to start and they could go downhill later in the season. 
Aaron Rodgers seems like he's happy now, but that'll all change once they start losing. I guarantee it. Um, Dallas and Tampa on Thursday. I, I just can't wait to see that game because this is where if Dallas, they don't have to win to prove anything to me. They just have to compete with Tampa. If they compete, if Dak plays well, if he looks like a $40 million guy out there, which is, I just cannot believe I'm saying that still, that he's a $40 million guy, but it's true. Someone gave him that money. It's it's mind-blowing, but he's going to be going up against Tom Brady, who's, by the way, he's a $25 million guy. He's not almost half you know, what Dak makes, but we'll see how they compare out there. We'll see who, how, who plays how, you know, like Dallas should be the juggernaut taking the field with their payroll. They should be the ones dominating. But my prediction, Tampa Bay is going to roll over these guys on Thursday. And I mean, we're going to be back on this episode uh, on next episode. And we'll say, Hey, that's how it goes for Dallas, right? I'm sorry to those fans. They've paid ridiculous money for some really average to below average players. And that's how it goes with these player personnel decisions. That's the cap. That's It's a cap league. That's why we named the show that. Because, man, you hit the cap, boom, you're done. And uh, you got to be efficient with, with where you put that money. And... The way Dallas has done it is the antithesis of what we say not to do. And you're going to see that play out in the field on Sunday or uh, Thursday. First game, can't wait. And then that following weekend. So we'll be back probably uh, Monday or Tuesday um, to talk about it all. So I hope you guys enjoy. I sure will. I hope everyone's doing well out there. And thanks for joining me on Cap League. All right. We'll see you next week.